Welcome to Living Simply, a guide to mindful living and mindful parenting with your host, Dr. Gina. Hey everybody, welcome back to Living Simply with Dr. Gina. Dr. Gina, I'm so excited. Today we are talking about stress management strategies. That is something that you and I both definitely need right now. Totally. So uh, I thought we'd talk about that today, coincidentally. And um, as you know, stress management requires a lot of steps. We're in a society with people who are overly stressed. So hopefully we'll get some information that's a bit useful for everybody. For sure. Um, Everybody seems stressed about everything right now uh <laughs> you know i mean I, honestly and and maybe i maybe i'm seeing that more because i feel it but um why do you think that there's more of a prevalence right now uh in stress and anxiety and and you know um but but specifically stress like why do you think do you think that people are more stressed out now than they ever have been or that they that we just notice it because we've named it I think we're actually more stressed. And if I do the general reasoning of why, and when we'll look at the steps, how not to be stressed, basically the opposite is why we are stressed. But if we looked at the general reasoning is, um, and I might've mentioned this on other episodes, but what hasn't changed in the last hundred years, thousand years is, we still only have 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. But the difference now is we have so many choices and options and we have the fear of missing out and society, (laughs) FOMO, society's (laughs) pressures and self-imposed pressures. We want to do it all yet we still only have 24 hours in the day and we need to remember to sleep, to eat, to cook, to clean. Uh, That doesn't leave many much hours when you also count you have to go to work, yet our to-do list keeps getting longer and longer. So there's no wonder people are overly stressed. Oh, I have a question for you. Um, Do you keep a to-do list? There's a there's a big debate like online I guess about to-do list versus living off of a calendar. Uh you know and and whether or not a daily to-do list is is a good thing or a bad thing. Do you keep a to-do list? I have a to-do book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, let me specify. So I have a little cute little workbook and it's divided in sections example business personal care health child and each section has a list of things to do but it's a book that's on a shelf I don't look at it every day I set the intention that one day I will get to these (laughs) and so that's one list that I have. So it's it's almost like a wish list, but because it's in a book and on a shelf, there's no pressure. I don't look at it every day. Yeah. Um, I set intentions for the day, the night before, and sometimes the same morning. Do you write and those I, down? Yeah, I do. So I try not to have more than three 
because if I have more than three, I get frazzled and overwhelmed and I never get to finish it. How macro are the intentions that you set for the day? Are they, are they specific? Are they, are they micro intentions or are they like have a good day or, or work on this or make, make sure I spend time with my daughter? You know, like what are, are they big or small? So there's the ones that I write are things that are not supposed to be done every day. So to me, self-care is supposed to be there every day. So it's not on my list, right? Just like I don't put breathing on my list um, or eating. So on my to-do list will be things I really shouldn't forget. If there's a call I need to make. Um, but when you mention the calendar, so I'll put in my calendar days I want to work out, let's say. Yeah. Um, but sometimes my list is simply work, rest, <laughs> read a book. So I, I really trust myself, how I feel that day. And sometimes I'm in production modes and my list will be very specific, right? Write a blog post or pay my bills, walk the dog. So it's very general. I don't have a system. Maybe I should, but I don't. No, I think that that's and, great. Yeah. I, I, I like that. So, so the things that you need to do every day, you know, and the things that you want to set out time for, you, you know, you, you address in your calendar and then you keep a to-do list very short and you frame it as intentions for the day, which I think is, is, I think it's really beneficial to frame it as having an intention for the day rather than, um, a to-do list because a to-do list makes it feel like you have to do these things for the day. Yeah. And an intentions list is, these are the things that I choose to do. choose to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my to-do list I, for today alone, and it's, yeah. it doesn't have the stuff that I do every day. I just looked at it. It has, I use the to-do app on my phone yeah. and I have 17 things for today. So I assume you're stressed. Three, four, five, six of them are done. Oh, that's pretty good. Well, five of them are done. One of them is, is going to be taking the next couple hours right now. Uh, <laughs> but um, you are on the to-do list. Uh, so, but I, I, I like your strategy. I like the setting intentions for the day, the night before. I think that that's important. Um, one thing that I know that you talk about a lot of, you know, a way to help stress and manage stress is to stay in the present moment or to find the present moment. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It, it's, it's easier said than done, but it's really something you have to do intentionally because part of what causes stress is when our mind travels to the future or the past. So if we spend a lot of time thinking of our to-do list, uh, we're no longer present doing whatever it is we need to do right now. So suddenly, not only are we doing, who knows, cooking for our family, we're, we're also thinking, oh yeah, after I'm done cooking, I have to do this, I have to do that. So we've just added stress to whatever we're doing now. So so to reduce stress whenever possible is try to be in the present moment. 
So be fully immersed in what you're doing right now, whether it's relaxing, whether it's working, cooking, it doesn't matter what it is, is just be fully present in what you're doing right now. And uh, I think I think one of the very first episodes when you were talking just generally about mindfulness, you you um, you talked about because I I know that um, you've also mentioned that uh, like meditating can help reduce stress and but if you're stressed out it's hard to find a time to meditate because you have seventeen things to do on your to do list for the day and yeah. uh, some of them take a long time and some of them are you know, 30 minutes away from each other, driving distance and stuff. Um, so it's hard to to do that stuff. But but it reminds me of you talking about uh, in one of our first episodes about like, if you're in the shower, practice just being in the shower, like feeling the water. And um, so so I, I'm, I'm, I'm often reminded of that, about uh, using things to be, you know, I had a, um, I had a thing like a pinched nerve yeah. in my wrist last week and uh, the tip of this finger was a little numb um, and it was like a carpal tunnel nerve that got pinched from sleeping weird and uh, my my trainer I went to see my trainer that day and he was like um, indomitable truths like you know I can feel this wall Yeah, the wall is hard like focus on what's present focus on what's here Focus on what you know is true. Like if you're in the shower, like you were saying, like the water is warm. The what, like, you know, um, I, I think that that's a great stress manager. Yeah, because if you're in the shower, let's say you're in the shower in the morning before you go to work and you're already planning your day and being overwhelmed, you're not going to have enough time. Well, you're going to be activated and stressed. But if you come back to the water and the warmth and the smell of the soap, it's going to calm you down for whatever length your shower. And if you, and if you do, if you are able to schedule in the time or, you know, say it's a constant stress, yeah. you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you feel like you're constantly living in stress, um, then implementing some form of meditation, I would assume would be, would be a, a huge help. <laughs> well, research shows that even if, people start doing just two minutes a day of meditation. They've seen benefits to it. So you can choose to do two minutes just before you get up in the morning and, or just after, as you go to bed or just before you leave work, you're in your car, you take two minutes and you literally try to just focus on your breath or the sounds. You close your eyes and the sounds, like right now it's super windy of the wind you're you're teaching your brain to focus on the here and now so as you practice that you'll get better and better in being present and meditation is basically exercise for the brain you can call it focused attention right so meditation will help you be more mindful to see if you're overloading yourself and making yourself stressed you talked about your self-care routine a little bit earlier when we were talking about scheduling. Yeah. Um, how important is maintaining self-care or making time for self-care to manage stress? 
self-care and i think we we should have a whole episode or 20 on just self-care um self-care is as necessary and should be first on your list on your to-do list uh, as much as breathing basically um, people take care of other people make it a priority make sure their cars get oil changed and tires get air, uh, put gas in their cars, yet so many people do not take care of themselves. So self-care is the fuel that will keep you going. And you, yes, when people are young, they don't realize it. But at some point, when people reach their 40s, 50s, they, they burn out because they didn't take care of themselves. So self-care, I always work on that first with my clients. Um, young adults, older adults, retired adults. Um, I make sure they at least get a morning self-care routine and an evening self-care routine. So self-care, I think, is key to stress management as well and the foundation of it. Uh, something that a lot of people that I'm close with, um, including myself sometimes for sure, like I'm not just you know, throwing other people under the bus <laughs> for sure. Me too. Um, are, uh, when you, when you label something, you know, when you're, when you put importance on something, uh, that maybe doesn't need to be there, like your perspective on something is that you're, you're holding it in too high of a regard or there's a lot of emphasis on it and you want it to be perfect. So you're, you know, that perfectionism, thing comes out on comes out in you mm -hmm. uh because you've labeled this thing as important um and you're judging it as important and because of that like you want to be perfect in the thing you want it to go perfectly uh how do you maintain how do you not maintain how do you manage like I've, i don't know the word i'm looking for how do you put like a stopper on on that level of the the craziness the pressure yeah how do you stop the pressure from uh, from labeling something as as really important and uh, and and the perfectionism that comes along with that yeah so if if we even um, use the word labeling in the in the big sense of the word is the minute we label something we judge it whether it's saying this is important, this is not important, this is good, this is bad, this is pretty, this is ugly. The minute we place labels on things, we limit our perception of that thing. So perfectionism is one of them. Well, the thing with perfectionism, really, when you look at it, it it's a trait that's highly present in people who are anxious it's not necessarily that you want things to be perfect is you want you don't want to be criticized you don't want to be judged for whatever you're doing so you'll i'll see it in little kids they're making a drawing it's not nice they're crunching it up throwing it away um you see it pretty early and often you'll see it because of society you we look at their drawing oh it's so pretty what you drew well, then that means the flip side exists. If this drawing is pretty, that means another one has the pot potential to be ugly. 
So you put that pressure for your drawing to be pretty uh, or good looking um, when really we should observe things without labeling them. So if we start with children, it's if we look at their drawing saying, oh, I love the color you picked. Tell me more. What made you make daddy's hair purple? Tell me about your drawing. Tell me the story behind it. And that way we're not labeling something as good or bad from the time they're little. And when you're asking me how do we stop doing that, always comes back to the same thing. If we're more present, we'll be more self-aware. We'll be more aware of the dialogue that happens in our head the thoughts, the self-talk. And if we can notice we're labeling, we can go, there I go again, I'm labeling. And we let it go. And we reframe it in a way that's not labeling, but could be descriptive. So instead of important or not important, we could say, this thing really means a lot to me. Um, I really like this, or it means a lot to me. I'd really like to get this done. And then it becomes a choice and not a judgment. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Um, when you want something to be perfect, or when you're putting a lot of when you're putting a lot of stress on yourself for for something to be a certain way, not even necessarily perfect, but a certain way. Uh, when especially when it's not, when a situation isn't going the way that you want it to, or you know, whatever that may be. Um, I feel like we fight against it a lot and that raises our stress level instead of just accepting what, you know, instead of accepting things as they are, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, our mutual friend Glenn Ambrose always says um, resistance is, uh, our suffering is resistance to what is, you know, uh, and, and and I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to stress. Like when you're resist, when you're not accepting. Uh, the, I mean, I I know that I I personally have a lot of stress when I when I'm not like looking at something as what it is. So what role what role do you think acceptance plays? I think acceptance plays a humongous role. Like when I speak to my clients, the way I I word it, I don't know where I got the wording from, so I don't want to take credit for it, but I tell them you're living in the gap, meaning the reality gap between what is and what, how you wish things would be. When you live in that gap, not accepting how things are, you suffer. And I often use the weather as an example because it's so easy. If you're expecting today to be warm and sunny because you want to go to the beach, let's say, and you look outside, it's cold and windy, it's going to put a dent on your plans. So you can accept (laughs) that it's rainy and cold. And acceptance doesn't mean you have to like it. Acceptance just means you see things for what they are, and then you redirect your plans. Oh, well, it's rainy, it's cold. I guess I'm not going to the beach. You can spend your time in the gap being pissed off that it's not sunny, 
or you can redirect your choice and see, okay, what's good about today? It's, sun, it's not sunny, it's rainy. What else could I do instead? So the more we accept things as they are, the quicker and sooner we will know what to do, what actions to set in place. When we're stuck in the gap, the reality gap, we're spinning our wheels. So we get stress, anxious, regret, angry, and that increases stress because you're resisting what is and what we resist persists. That was very well said. Uh, you guys have uh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. In, okay. Um, there's a, uh, there's a great, I think that, that the resistance to what is and, and, and acceptance, um, of a situation and being able to move forward for that. I think that, uh, children are a great mirror for that because Mm -hmm. we see children like not accepting that they can't have a cookie before dinner Mm -hmm. and, and freaking out. And, but like, we do that all the time. You know, we, we do that with our own things all the time. And there's a, uh, the reason why I brought up Mr. Rogers is um, there's a book, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which is the current preschool. I mean, if you have little kids, I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood uh, is the animated continuation of Mr. Rogers. And um, there's a little book that we read, Braden, uh, called How Is Daniel Feeling? And, and you just made me think of it because there's like a whole episode and there's a part of the book where uh, they want to go to the beach and it's raining and uh, they're mad at first and then they accept that it's raining. They have to do something inside and they make a little inside beach and it's like, yeah. and, and those are in reality, in real life, when it's not a cartoon, like those are some of the best memories when you just accept what's happening and you move on and you find something else to do. That's when some of the coolest stuff in the world can happen. Yeah. Surprises, magic happens sometimes when things aren't planned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about s- slowing down and simplifying? Yes. <laughs> I mean, down. I know that those are two of your favorite things. Slowing down, like that's totally related to the to-do list, right? If we realize, like I said at the beginning, that we only have 24 hours in a day and at least eight of those we should sleep. There's- <laughs> For some people, eight, another eight is spent at work. Well, whatever is left, um, we're human beings. We're not human doings. We don't need to do, do, do all the time. So it's okay to slow down, not always be scheduled and do, do, do. And it's okay to relax and rest and snuggle if you have a pet, a partner, a kid. So slowing down is important because our nervous system needs to slow down. And the other one you mentioned was uh, simplifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a whole, it's not new, but this whole movement on minimalism, there's a reason behind it. You know, if, if we declutter our lives, there'll be less stress. Like it's been shown that, 
a house full of clutter is it is stressful it impacts our well-being the extreme of it is hoarders but people do see a lifting of pressure and energy when they declutter their closets their bedrooms so simplifying is important and not only it's good for stress it's good for the environment it's good for our health we don't need 20 pairs of shoes we don't need the latest iphone all the time the you know unless something is a tool for work obviously that's different but we're in a society that's overly consuming and it's hurting our children it's hurting our environment um it's people are going in debt so simplifying will reduce spending which will reduce the debt load which will reduce stress so simplifying is very important i think uh so something that you just talked about spending reducing spending simplifying by that i feel like something that causes a lot of stress today because of social media, which we've talked about a lot on other episodes. Uh, and it's not necessarily because of social media. Like I think that that's a, a mirror. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier of people, like it's just a bigger version of what's always been happening of, um, you know, you see other people's curated lives mm-hmm. and you think, Oh, they have, they have more or they're doing this or they're at this level, you know, um, there's a, like comparing yourself to other, comparing yourself to other people or other situations or other things or comparing situations to other situations. Like that is just a huge, huge stress inducer. Yes. Uh, what do you, what, what do you do? when when you are constantly comparing yourself because the world is compared like the world is is seemingly like forcing people to compare everything now you know so how do you stop yourself from comparing yourself to other people uh in a way or other situations in a way that is stress inducing so you People will stop comparing, and that's another big thing I work with. Clients have a lot of anxiety is um, coming back to center and realizing that me comparing to comparing my insides to someone else's outsides makes no sense and is hurting me. So if you first know that comparing is not going to help you, is the first step to wanting to stop comparing. So. It makes no sense, even from a parenting point of view, to compare, example, your two children because they're two unique human beings. So it's we don't compare apples to oranges. Why should we compare two individuals to each other? So whether it's two work colleagues, your couple compared to your neighbor who's another couple who looks happier than you, (laughs) comparing takes you away from your center, meaning what are your values? What matters to you? And determine what matters to you and guide your choices and your behaviors based on that. 
as opposed to comparing to other people. Um, and, and you'll reduce a lot of your stress because um, if your neighbor has a nicer car than yours, well, you're placing a judgment that their car is nicer than your car. So you're realizing, realizing comparing is starts there because you're placing a judgment of value on the neighbor, let's say. Um, and then you're realizing, who cares if my neighbor has a Mercedes and I have a Dodge? Um, if you can afford a Dodge and you can't af afford a Mercedes, well, it goes back to acceptance. You know, if, so people, a lot of them compare because they have more money, right? If you look on social media. People who travel, have a nicer car, a bigger house, cuter girlfriend. Um, just come back to you and what matters to you. And I think if you compare less, you'll be less stressed because your to-do list will be different, basically. Is that a boundary that you would set for yourself um, that you're not going to compare? Like what kind of, and if not, like, because you're obviously, um, you do a lot of work with boundaries, setting boundaries with your clients. Uh, what sort of boundaries, if not that, what sort of boundaries uh, would help you reduce stress? So I always start from within. So if you can't set boundaries with yourself, it's harder to set boundaries with someone else. So I, I start with the easy, so with the self-care, right? And I always connect boundaries to values. What matters to you? So your boundaries will be unique to you. So what that means, you have to go within what matters to me. How do I feel about something? So first, self-care, am I doing, doing, doing for everybody else except me? If the answer is yes, I have to set boundaries for self-care, boundaries for learning to say no, uh, boundaries for people, let's say, who I allow to take advantage of me. So if... That will cause stress, right? If someone's not treating you with respect or the way you wish to be treated, it will cause a dissonance and you'll be stressed by that. So boundaries with other people, what will you allow other people to do and not do to you? How much are you going to say yes to and no to? Um, boundaries for um, how to fill your own cup whether it's spirituality, hobbies, there's boundaries that way, boundaries with your kids. Um, yeah, do you let your kids walk all over you? Um, boundaries with your partner. So boundaries, I think, are very important because they're a form of self-care, basically. So if you have healthy boundaries you'll be less stressed because you'll be making yourself come first. Speaking of boundaries, we have a little bit of a boundary of a time constraint. Uh, and I'm not, not really. I mean, we can, we can keep talking uh, if we wanted to, but there's a, uh, there's one more thing that yeah. we haven't covered and um, that you wanted to cover on stress. And it's also how we end every show. So, 
before you give your moment of gratitude for this episode, uh, in what ways can practicing gratitude help reduce stress? And then let's talk about what we're grateful for. So gratitude allows us, helps us be accepting of what is. So I'll give you an example. Yesterday was Halloween. And there was a kid complaining, because, you know, you walk with a lot of kids that, oh, this person is not giving us a lot of candy. Because, you know, you go from house to house. Some people give a handful. Some people just give one lollipop. And I said, well, let's just be grateful that they're actually giving us something. Because right now someone's knocking on my door and I'm not home and I'm not giving them anything. So this person opened their door to us and actually gave us candy, whether it's one or two or 20. They gave us something out of the kindness of their heart by choice. It doesn't matter how many. So, and I kept hearing that child com- complaining. So that's a form of stress, right? Not accepting, not being grateful. So when you know, if, if you're not grateful, like I said, your car, you hate your car, you look at your neighbor's car, well, you live in non-acceptance, non-gratitude. Well, you could not have a car, and that would be a lot more stressful if you need a car to get around. So I find when you start being grateful for what is there, as opposed to complaining for what's not there, which is living in the gap, of the reality, um, then you'll be less stressed, I think. Absolutely. What are, what are you grateful for? Oh, uh, yeah. So, ugh, um, what am I grateful for this week? Uh, actually, I'm looking at it. Um, this is a good one. I, when we moved into this new house, which was, two and a half years ago now, something like that. Um, My room, which I'm in right now is cavernous. Like it's too big. It's, this is an old house. So it's, it's a huge house, but the rooms are like, the rooms are large and like, there's not a lot of usefulness in them, Mm -hmm. um, which is weird. And, uh, but there are built in drawers in the wall in this Mm -hmm. little like thing that used to be a closet but they're two there're only two of them and they're deep and they're huge and they're horrible for putting clothes away um so i like should have bought a new dresser at some point in the last 2 years and i didn't uh and my best friend's mom um was clean my best friend unfortunately lost his dad earlier this year and um his mom was going through things and this old beautiful dresser that was his dad's um for like 30 40 years uh they were gonna they didn't have room for it anymore they were turning where it was into a different thing and um she asked if i wanted to have it and i do now nice. and um it's great it smells like their house which is which is very nice. Uh, yeah. So um, it's really cool. I haven't put anything in it yet, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm j- you know, just literally looking over and seeing it makes me smile. 
So, and she also gave me um, to, uh, I like to, to learn things all the time, new things all the time. And um, so I've been learning Italian on a, on a uh, Duolingo um, and I'm horrible at it, but it's just fun. And he also was horrible at it, but like to, he was, he's full-blooded Italian. He was full-blooded Italian. And uh, he also liked to pretend like he knew how to speak Italian. And he had two baseball hats and she gave me those. Um, and uh, that was really nice. So, so I have these, these nice things to remember him by. Nice. Yeah. That's you? Awesome. I have a few. So let me just pick one. Um, I'm grateful I got to spend Halloween with my daughter yesterday and her dad invited us to his house for a dinner first before we would uh, trick-or-treating and her dad just had a, a baby boy he's I think just six months old and I adore babies <laughs> so I got to hold him be in the presence of a little baby my daughter adores him because she has a little brother now so the whole, um, just spending Halloween together because she's growing up so fast and being around little children that I love, it was just awesome. That's so nice. <laughs> that is so nice. Uh, also, I'm, I'm glad that we're doing this podcast. I, my ignorance, I was unaware. I, I had never thought about if, uh, if Halloween was an international uh, festivity. Yeah, I just saw someone's Facebook on. She's in Spain and she was dressing up for Halloween. That's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know if it was a like a like a North American thing or or just a United States yeah. thing or yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm a lot less stressed now that we did this episode. Cool. I feel good. It grounded me. I hope you're good. Yeah. Um, Check out the show, uh, subscribe, leave a comment, uh, you know, follow, follow Gina on social media. Um, check out drmadrigrano.com for everything else that you would need. Everything's in the show notes. Um, Gina, thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. For more information or to book an appointment with Dr. Gina, Go to drmandragrano.com or click the link in the description of this episode.